Amen. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word, even when it comes to us in rap form. Amen. <laughs> this happened in first service as well. And I was like, well, this is kind of like the south side reading. This is great. <laughs> you know, blah, 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 bless the Lord, you know, and righteousness. I'm like, okay, I guess we're wrapping scripture this morning. It's good. It's all good. Anyway, we're thankful for the reading and the hearing of God's word. Psalm 103 is a, is a true blessing. And so let's pray and ask God to bless that word inside of us. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace and mercy. Lord, we are so, so grateful. Lord, all joking aside, we are so grateful for your word and how it speaks to our hearts. So God, speak now. Speak to every heart of every Christian. Build them up in their faith. Help them live out their faith in real and tangible ways so that Jesus can be seen and exalted and believed in. And Lord, we pray for anybody here who does not yet know Jesus personally. Lord, may this be the morning where they are saved. And we pray and trust you that the Holy Spirit will speak to us through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 103, the sermon title is Bless His Name. This psalm is pure praise. I mean, it is from beginning to end, pure praise. The word bless or bless the Lord, four times at the beginning of the psalm, four times at the end of the psalm, and there's, you know what? There's no war going on in this psalm, no war. There's no complaints, there's no requests, there's no foes to fight, there's no threats, there's none of that. This psalm is pure praise to God. From the heart of the psalmist, all the faculties, intellect, emotion, will, going up in praise to God, and that's the end of the psalm. Let's close in prayer. Amen? So to bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul, to bless the Lord is to praise or lift God up. Not just casually. But with affection and gratitude. The Hebrew word implies affection, gratitude inside the soul. So this is not just a, you know, bless God, bless God, I'm checking the box, I'm coming to church. What more do you want from me, pastor? You know, it's not that, oh yeah, praise God, praise God. This is blessing that involves a heart felt, affectionate, thankful response where we bless the Lord deep inside of our soul. So blessing God in Psalm 103 involves the mind. It also involves our mouths. How was your mouth this week? How'd you do? Did you bless God? from the affectionate bowels of your soul? Or did some potty mouths happen? Well, if we're to bless God, we are to use our mouth. Blessing God also involves my body. How am I using my body? How am I stewarding my body? I can bless God with my body, my possessions and my money. We bless God with what we have. We are called to praise him with our possessions. Did you know that all of your possessions are not your own? Amen? They're God's. We are to bless God with our relationships. 
The health of our relationships is very essential to how we bless God. So we can't come to church and bless God while our relationships are a sinking sand time wreck, right? We can't have that because it's hypocritical. We bless God with our Bible, like reading it, processing it, thinking it through. We bless God with our writing. What are you writing down with your pen or pencil if you're old school like me? Can I get an old school amen? You write. You write stuff down. Praise Jesus, right? We bless God with how you type. How have you typed this week? How have you used your opposable thumbs this week? We bless God with that. We should. We bless God with our phone, our social media, and everything. So the psalmist blesses God, and the psalmist in Psalm 103 is all in. All in. And all that is within me, bless his name. The word all is used frequently in this psalm nine times. The psalmist used the word all. There is no half-hearted worship going on. There's no, oh, Brandon's on stage again. None of that. None of that going on. This is all in. We're all in. We're praising God with all of our faculties. The psalmist is going all in praising God. Are you all in? Are you half in? Three quarters in? One quarter in? Praise to God flows to God because he is God, because he's worthy. We praise him this morning not because our lives are going great all the time. We praise him for who he is. Can I get a witness? Yeah. So on the mountaintops of life, God deserves all my praise. You know, it's easy to praise God on the mountaintop, isn't it? It's nice up there. You get on the mountaintop, it's a beautiful view, you're feeling good, you're seeing the horizon, you get to see everything. Oh, praise God, right? The mountaintop is a great place to praise God, it's just easy up there. We should praise God on the mountaintop. What about the valley? What about when you're in the valley? When we're in the valley of life, God still deserves all my praise. When it's dark and I can't see in front of my nose, God still is worthy of my praise. When I'm going through hard things and I can't see the end from the beginning and I am struggling in my heart because the valley is kicking my butt, God is still worthy of praise. I might be crying my eyes out in the valley, but I'm still going to say with Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if you're here in church this morning and you're like, Pastor, I'm in a valley, you should still give God the praise. But what about circumstances? No matter your circumstances, God deserves your praise. All of it. And if there's anything we hear in the counseling room more, it's this particular thing. Pastor, you just don't understand. 
you just don't understand my story. My story is different than everybody else's story. Is it now? Yes, here's my story. Now, in some levels, is that person's story unique? Absolutely. Circumstances are unique because we're all walking through this life and we all have a path from God that's unique to us. So therefore, yes, your story is different than my story and my story is different than your story and we can't swap stories totally because God takes us all through different circumstances. Amen? So we can't look for universal comparisons because it's just maddening to try to do so because God has particular trials for particular people at particular moments and we should stand in awe of God and even in our circumstances, we should praise his name. And we should help other, each other praise his name. So the big idea this morning is that the psalmist calls all believers to bless God's name for who he is, for what he has done, for what he is doing right now, and as we look to the future, we have hope what he's going to do. You can praise God in no matter what circumstance you're in this morning because who he is. He's going to be faithful. What he has done, he's been faithful in your past, in the moment. He is faithful now and in the future. If you know Jesus as your Savior, heaven is your home. Can I get a witness for that? So if we're really believing in Jesus, the glory that is ahead of us is enough to make us, no matter what we're walking through, praise his name. And Paul said, this light momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of glory, which is beyond comparison. We don't even understand, but we are called to bless the Lord. We are called to bless the Lord. The word Lord is Yahweh. What's that about? Yahweh. That's, that's the framework for the Lord in every single reference to him in Psalm 103 is Yahweh. Yahweh is God's name that he gave on a burning bush to Moses. Remember when Moses got freaked out? God shows up, starts burning this, this bush, and Moses runs away. Just like you and I would too. We'd be scared out of our minds. He runs away, and he's like, who should I say sent me? And God said, you tell him, I am sent you. So when we bless God, we are blessing the great I am of Exodus chapter 3. We're lifting high his name and recognizing him in worship. Now, here's the existential question. Here's the question that this passage begs to be asked. Why do I need to bless the Lord? Pastor, I hear you talking. Himalayas, you know, like all this stuff. Yeah, bless God. Why do I need to bless God, though? That's good for you. You're a pastor. You're paid to tell people to bless God. But what about me in real life? Why do I need to bless the Lord? Come at me, pastor. Tell me why. Here's why. Because I don't always feel like blessing God. And the reason I need to bless him is because we are naturally forgetful people. We are naturally forgetful. We have forgotten all that God has done for us. Good night. Do we forget things or what? 
we forget what we ate for breakfast. That just happened like two hours ago. You forgot already. What was that? You forget about the blessings of yesterday. You forget your grandkids' names. Can I get an amen? No, don't, don't. <laughs> we forget, right, how much gas is in the car and we run out on the road. We forget a lot of things, which insurance policy we have. We forget, you know, all the blessings that we have. We forget to give thanks to God for the breath that we took an hour ago. We forget stuff all the time. It is our natural, sinful propensity to be forgetful. It is the natural attitude of sinners to look up to heaven and say to God, what have you done for me lately? So we should be cataloging the benefits of God. Verse 2 says, forget not all his benefits. Forget not the blessings of God. We are to remember things. So therefore, we need to start cataloging all that God has done in our lives. And let's face it, at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, we're already way behind. Think of how many blessings God's already given you today. How thankful have you been? Probably very minimal. Probably like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of here and here and that. But, but this is all the stuff I've got going on. This is all the bad stuff that's going on. Instead of just looking and saying, God, you're so great. You're so great. You're so great. You're so great. We're already in debt to God this morning for a lack of gratitude. Now, I normally only do one journal commercial per year, but I'm going to do two this year. What is a journal? What does all this writing mean? What's this? What is this stuff? A journal should be a catalog of remembering what God has done. And I would encourage you to start writing stuff down. Why? Because you're forgetful, just like me. And for some of you, you need a journal just like this one, and ours is not that bad, if I may say so myself, right? Our journals are pretty sweet. You get a journal like this, you can buy one of these, or just get a piece of paper and start writing stuff down so that you don't forget what God has done. Um, some of you know this, many of you don't. Last month was a very hard month for my dad. My dad got COVID, and he has a kidney transplant that was successful two years ago, and there was a lot of complications with my dad last month. He almost died twice, and uh, God was good, took him through, praise the Lord. A couple weeks ago, we got to do family camp together. My dad felt well enough to go to family camp. Journaling those conversations on the back deck took on a whole new light. You know what I mean? Because there's something that happens when life is nearly taken or you feel the fragility of life and you come to the edge of eternity and you look into the great chasm of where we're all going and you just realize that every day is precious. Every moment is a gift. What I do, I journaled that stuff. You know why? I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget those conversations. I don't want to forget the gifts of God. 
On a much different note, I took notes yesterday. I met with a, a couple, Chris and Rachel Harrington. Many of you know them. And we met yesterday on the back deck at my house, and they were talking about how God is calling them to be global missionaries to Durban, South Africa. Now, I don't need another excuse to travel globally, especially to Durban. Get me on that plane now. Maybe not South Africa right now, exactly. But just listening to them, and we were talking practical stuff. There's a lot of practical things to consider when you are considering global missions and moving your family across the globe to serve Jesus and share Jesus. But you know what? I took notes and I, I returned to those notes yesterday evening to praise God. Because it's one of the coolest things in the world. To see people that we know, love, and care for feel a call by God to go spread the gospel all over the world. That is an amazing thing. Why did I write it down? Because I want to remember because I'm so forgetful. So church, I want to encourage you to be cataloging the benefits of God. Don't forget what God has done for you. Be active. Be intentional. Don't forget to bless the Lord. By the way, Psalm 103 is about God's awesomeness and his activity. And when you look at God's awesomeness and you look at his activity in Psalm 103, it dwarves what we do for him. The main person who is active in Psalm 103 is God, not us. We are merely responders in Psalm 103 to all of God's activity, all of his blessing, all of his glory. We see all those things and our responsibility is just to respond appropriately with pure and genuine praise. So Psalm 103 is about truth and this truth is that we should bless the Lord. Now God is going to give us through Psalm 103 two life-saving reminders Two life-saving reminders that will empower us to give God the praise and the blessing that he deserves. Reminder number one, God is awesome and active. God is awesome and active, verses 3 through 19. God's awesomeness and activity in Psalm 103 are incredible. So we're going to look at five of, of, to my count, is 20 characteristics of God and activities of God in Psalm 103. I'm going to run through them real quick and then we'll, we'll bear, bear down on five. So if you read through Psalm 103, this is what God does. He forgives iniquity. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our lives. He redeems us. He crowns us with steadfast love. He satisfies our souls. He renews our energy. He works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He is a communicator, verse 7. He is merciful in verse 8. He is gracious in verse 8. He is slow to anger in verse 9. He is abounding in steadfast love, verse 11. He doesn't stay angry at us, verse 9. He doesn't treat us according to our sins, verse 10. He is infinite in steadfast love. He is infinite in forgiveness. Thank you, casting crowns. As far as the east is from the west... He is compassionate to us. He has established his throne in heaven. And in verse 19, his kingdom rules over all. God is amazing. So we have enough time to cover five. I want you to hear that. 
you will be so blessed this week. If you just go through Psalm 103 and you look at the other 15 that I don't talk about and just say, this is my God. These are his promises. This is his character. This is who he is. This is how he speaks to us. This is what he does for me. That will do your soul some good. Amen? That'll do your mind some good too. Let's just look at a few. First of all, he forgives our iniquity. Verse 3. He forgives all of our iniquity. Iniquity, it means, the word in Hebrew means to be twisted or crooked. God forgives what is twisted and crooked in me, mainly my sinful heart. Are you crooked? Are you twisted? Yeah, you are. So am I. If you came to church this morning as a sinner, you are twisted and crooked. Your motives, you don't even know your motives all the time. You don't know how twisted you are. And you've messed up in your words and your actions and you're a sinner. And here is the grace of God. God looks at all of your crookedness, all of your twistedness, and he says, I'll take it. I love to forgive that twisted, crooked person. Amen. This is amazing. Because our lives are so filled with twisting, crooked. Like, I'm just me. It's who I am this morning. I came messed up. Praise God, you came to the right place. And when God sent Jesus, he sent Jesus to forgive sins. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus forgives somebody's sins. And the Pharisees and all the religious leaders, there's this crowd around Jesus and they're looking at him and they are bewildered. They can't believe it. What did he just say? Did he just say he forgives sins? And they said in Mark chapter 2 verse 7, who can forgive sins except God alone? You want to know who can forgive sins? Jesus can forgive sins. He forgives our iniquity. Secondly, he heals our diseases. Verse 3. The word diseases means, you know, it could mean two things, right? It could mean physical healing. He heals all of our diseases. But um, I, I think that's probably true because God can. Right? Physical diseases, how many of you want healing like this morning? Amen? I'm, I'm sure there's like hundreds that want healing right now. Okay, so you're like, I claim Psalm 103, verse 3. You heal all my diseases. Okay, God, now. Right, well, God doesn't work that way. He doesn't heal on command. He heals when he wants to for his glory so that Jesus can be exalted. Not every person who was sick in Judea got, got healed by Jesus. So we know that it is physical healing because Jesus in Mark 1, he's running around, he's going to the synagogues, he's healing everybody who's demon-possessed and he's got sickness, he's healing people. So we know that God can heal physical ailments. But also verse 3 points to us being healed of our sins, being healed in our minds, Getting good thinking from Christ. Christ putting us in our right minds. How many of you woke up this morning with stinking thinking? Can I get a witness? Don't raise your hand. All of us. 
you woke up and your, your thoughts started going all over the place and it's bad, 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 sin, 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 sin. And they pile up and here we go. And I would say God is here to heal our diseases of the mind. And when Jesus came, in Mark 5.15, he heals this demon-possessed man. And this demon-possessed man had a reputation. And everybody from town heard that he got healed. And they came out, and in Mark chapter 5, verse 15, it says, They came to Jesus and the demon-possessed man, and they saw the one, and he was sitting there clothed. Praise God he had, was wearing clothes. Amen. Apparently, he had not been wearing clothes before, and now he's wearing clothes. We are making progress. Feels like a lot of moms talking to their toddlers, right? You know? <laughs> get in your right mind and get some clothes on. But he was clothed, and he was in, the scriptures say he was in his right mind. What did Jesus do there? He healed the man's mind. What do we need? I can't think of something that our culture needs more than to have our minds healed by Jesus. In the day of social media, right, attention spans that are this short, information downloads all the time, we need healthy minds. Who can give that? Only Jesus. Jesus, if you skip down, God renews our energy, verse 5. He renews us so that our energy is renewed like the eagle's. So God puts real life into the souls of believers. So picture, the, the picture here is, a, is a, of an eagle molting its feathers, which they do almost yearly. I learned that this week. Did you know that? Eagles, they live like 28 to 38 years. That's amazing. And then they molt their feathers like every year. And they get brand new feathers so that they can fly and do the really cool thing that they do when they spot fish. From like 80,000 feet. You ever seen an eagle do that on, on like the nature channel or something? Like they see it. The eagle has found its prey. And you're like, what? There's just a river down there. I don't want And all of a sudden the eagle just like screams down. Bam! Like gets the fish, pulls it up. Like how do they do that? With renewed wings. That's the picture of what God does for those who humbly believe. He renews their strength. And for those of you who are believers in Jesus, I wonder if Jesus has become old to you. If you know Christ, I wonder if Jesus needs to renew you because that's what God does. He renews the, the strength of believers. And some of you are in your, in your walk with Jesus. You would describe it as, well, when I came to Christ, it was really powerful and I love Jesus and I love the cross and I love the resurrection, but now... Yeah, I mean, I like Jesus. I don't love Jesus. I mean, I like him. He's a good guy. I mean, I, you know, I kind of like him. I've just, I'm not, I don't know if I'm in love with him anymore. I think I might have fallen out of love with him. And we're on a good relationship, you know, but I just don't know if I love him anymore. Some of you are there. Scary place. Because you need to be renewed. You need to let God come. And pull off your old feathers and give you new ones and renew your love for him. Renew your love for Jesus so that you love him now just as much as you did when you first got saved. That's called re revival. That's called restoration. 
Isaiah 40, 31 says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He renews our energy. And by the way, if you're looking for a prayer to pray for Julie McDaniel this next week, you can go ahead and pray that one. Amen? Every VBS director needs that prayer during VBS week. Oh, renew her strength. Give Julie new feathers today, God. Amen. Skip down to verse 11. He is abounding in steadfast love. Steadfast love means God can and does keep loving you all day, every day. He will never let you go because of the covenant that he made with you when you believed in Jesus. This abounding and steadfast love, it holds on to you through the calm and through the storm of life. As the praise song goes, oh no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. God is full. He is abounding in steadfast love. Now, I want you to sit on this because I just want you to consider how great God is. He looks at you and me and all of our mess and he says, I will continue to love you no matter how ugly you are. No matter how much sin you commit, you are protected through my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's love, his steadfast love says, I won't give up. How many of you feel spiritually ugly at times? Unlovable. You messed up. You sinned. You fell into an addiction, a habit. Surely God is done with me. Surely I have lost the love of God. God is abounding in steadfast love, which means he sees you. He'll grab your soul to say, I'm never letting go of you. And sometimes in your sin, you're like, hey, let go of me, man. Let go. Give up on me. And the gospel says, no, I'm never going to do that. You see how this affects your relationships? If God's steadfast love is so unchanging, so powerful, so consistent, so steady for me, how should that affect my relationships with other people? It means that I don't give up. Think about the relationships you want to give up on right now. Could be marriage, could be friends, could be business, could be whatever. But you're like, oh, I'm done. That person treats me bad every time. How much longer do I need to keep pouring into that person? You've asked that in your heart. And I would say, look at the steadfast love of God for you through Christ and say to that person that you're struggling with, I'm going to love you like God loves me. I'm going to love you like God loves me. You got to be a little bit more like Captain America, Steve Rogers. If you've seen the Marvel movies, you know his famous quote. As he's getting beat up and he's in the fight, you know, boom, boom, boom. You know, what, what's the thing about 
Captain Steve Rogers. He's like Americana, like all of us Americans, right? He just keeps getting back up, you know? Gets slammed to the ground by the Hulk. He gets back up. He gets hit by Thor. He gets back up. And you know what he says in the movies? At least one or two of you do. I can do this all day. And for some of you, you need to take on that attitude. I can do this all day. I can keep loving you all day because God keeps loving me. So that's five. That's five of who God is. All we could say is God is unbelievable. He's awesome. He's majestic. He's powerful. He's bigger than any person that we've ever dreamt of. And that leads us into reminder number two. Reminder number two is that we should respond to God in praise. We should respond to God in praise. We bless the Lord and there are many ways to do that. Okay, so we respond by blessing God and we do that first privately. We bless the Lord privately. Bless the Lord, verse one, oh my soul. That's private. That's personal worship. That is not up on stage. That is in your individual mind and heart. He's talking to his soul here. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist has good self-talk. How's your self-talk? The psalmist is like preaching to himself. He's like, listen, soul, we're waking up and I'm in charge here. And I'm going to say, we're going to bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm going to appeal to you right now. We're talking right away. Soul, listen up. We're going to bless God personally. Some of your self-talk is terrible, sinful, not based on any kind of truth. And I would tell you that you need to look at Psalm, 1, Psalm 103 verse 1 and say, I need to start talking to myself like that. All that is within me, bless his holy name, okay? Within, that's personal, that's private, that's real. It's, it's where every praise should start. It starts personally and privately with God. Before you're ever up on stage preaching or singing or you're coming to church, you should be doing this privately within your own heart. If all you do is come to church and put on a show and go home and your life is in shambles, you're not worshiping God the way Psalm 103 says. There is no band in verse 1 and 2. Brandon, are you listening? There is no band in verse 1 and 2. Amen. There's no show. There's no special lighting. There's no fog machine. There's no fancy lights. This is a private, personal, devotional worship of King Jesus. This is a weekday morning early with a cup of coffee. Praise God. All Bible readings should be required to have coffee. Amen? This is going for it in your personal walk with God. You should worship God personally. This means singing too. And for some of you, you know where you sing, right? There's two places that Christians sing outside of church. That is the shower and the car, amen? All right, with all your faculties, go for it. Who cares, right? All right, you got the water. It's, it's you know, it's kind of drowning out the noise so your family's not like freaked out. And in your car, who cares? All the, all the, the people think you're a bad driver anyway, so just go for it in your car. This is personal. So we praise God privately. Secondly, we praise God humbly and obediently. Verses 11 through 13. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. 
So the Lord's compassion is on those who fear him. The word fear means to have reverence. It means to have a reverential awe for God. So if you're going to worship and praise him, you need to do it humbly. You need to do it um, not pompous, not showy, just humble. Now, humility is not this. Oh, I'm so humble, I'm so humble, I'm so humble. Don't look at me, I'm so humble, I'm so humble, I'm so humble. Don't look at me, I'm so humble. That is not humility. That is pride in disguise. True humility, biblically speaking, is just knowing who you are and knowing who God is. And not apologizing for anything to say, this is who God is, this is who I am, and I'm not apologizing for it. In the midst of that, that's humility. It's not like the dunk tank later today in family fun night, where some adults will be mocking children as they try to hit the target with baseballs. All right, I won't go out on a line and say who I think those adults will be. You know who you are. But it's not that. It's not, hey, kid, you can't. Hit it. Like that, that's not how we approach God. We approach God with humility. St. Augustine was asked what he thought the top three character qualities were for Christianity. And St. Augustine said, humility, humility, humility. We should come to God like the tax collector in Luke 19. Where he came to the temple, he knew he didn't have any business being there. He knew he wasn't righteous like the Pharisees, so he didn't even lift his head up to heaven. He beat his chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's how you come to church. You come to church saying, I need grace. I need mercy. That is humility. Humility is also fearing the word of God. You got to read this book in order to be humble. And not only do you have to read it, you have to read it rightly, you got to interpret it rightly, you got to apply it rightly. Many Christians get into problems because they look at the Bible in the wrong way and they apply it however they want and they don't reverence the Word. They don't lift up the Word. They don't study it hard. You've got to love this book if you're going to worship in humility. Humility is loving Jesus, loving the cross, loving the resurrection, loving Christ, making Jesus big in your life. So we praise the Lord with humility and obedience. And finally, we praise the Lord publicly. Okay, We praise the Lord publicly. Verses 20 through 22, the psalmist starts saying, Hey, bless the Lord with me, all of you, his angels and mighty ones and hosts and ministers and all of his works. Everybody, praise the Lord with me, right? So his private praise has now moved to public praise. So if you're ordering it right, you should... Overflow with joy personally, be humble, and then invite other people into it. Say, hey, come on, let's worship God together for what he has done. So when one person praises God, it's, it's good. When a community of people praise God together, it's life transforming. Because when we're in community, things happen. When I see Clyde and Carolyn here at church, it blesses my heart. It makes me so thankful for the gospel because I see them and I see this corporate gathering together and I say, yes, God, you're awesome because sometimes it takes a corporate experience for somebody else to teach us something. So that's why we exhort people to come to the house of the Lord and come here and worship God. Now, you're going to see this illustrated this week at VBS. If you come to VBS, you're going to see this. 
because there's going to be a lot of people up on stage doing their dances, getting the kids. Now, are they going to have to like work hard at convincing the first graders to join in praise? Oh, no. No, the first graders will be in, man. They'll be like jumping around. They'll be doing this stuff. Everybody will be doing the things. The, the, the group to watch out for is the fifth graders. Can I get an amen? You know the VBS fifth graders? They're too cool for school. They're not quite in youth group yet, but they're just sitting back there like this. I ain't dancing. I'm not singing. This is not fun. You are not funny. I really dislike my life right now. That's a fifth grader at VBS. Okay, so we're trying to do what? Hey, worship God with us. Come on into this thing. And the fifth graders are like, I don't care if Jesus Christ shows up and does a break dance in front of me. I'm not dancing. That's a fifth grader. Keep your eyes out for him, right? You'll try your best. Hey, come on in. No, 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 no. For some of you, you walked into VBS or to church this morning with fifth grade hearts. Some of you walked in and you said, I can't praise God. I won't praise God. I refuse to praise God. Because I'm not convinced that God knows my story. God is infinitely worthy of your praise. And this is an invitation as we close in song to go for it. As a community of believers together. Revelation chapter 5 says, and then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Someday we will live out the reality of those verses. Someday in the future, all of us will be gathered around this massive throne, myriads of crowds influencing us toward Jesus, and we will together express publicly our love for Jesus, and we will worship like we've never worshiped before. So this morning, don't forget to bless the Lord. God is awesome, and he is active, and our response is praise. So all of this praise that we do, it finds its amen and its crescendo and its pinnacle in Jesus Christ. And my question for you this morning is, do you know him? For real, do you know Christ? If you don't know Jesus, I want you to get saved. If you do know Jesus, oh, let's go for it together and respond. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thanks for Psalm 103, God. What a beautiful psalm. So much truth, so much praise that you deserve. So God, help us to see you as bigger and larger and more glorious than we've ever seen you before. And oh God, may we love Jesus more than we've ever loved him before. And may all of our praise go to you. And Lord, if there's anybody here that's just not quite there yet, would you please speak to their heart? Help them see the cross and the resurrection for the first time. And God, may you move in our hearts as we give our all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.